how much does it cost to sell a franchise? Charles will answer that question later. Coming up next. All right, before we address how we would uh, advise a brand and how much it costs to buy a franchise, um, shout out to those who have reached out uh, and pointed out that they did watch The Last Franax to the end. Uh, we're going to put hidden words in here. And then eventually, if you know the hidden word, you get a free invite to our very expensive boot camp. The invite is the free part, not the, not the expensive part. You're still going to have to pay for it. Even if you find the word, just kidding. Um, okay, so uh, this question comes up a lot. Uh, how much does it cost to sell a franchise? Uh, if a brand comes to you, Charles, and says, uh, how much should I be budgeting? How do you answer that? It, it depends on the status of the brand, right? Startup emerging versus a brand with validation and franchisee performance. Right. And then the startups, they've run into industry data that'll tell them it costs about $15,000 a deal. And then for the startups and the emerging, it's like, how do I plan for that budget? And then we have to sort of reverse engineer where it's going to work, um, which gets to do we even have the assets to go into the franchise sales process? So if you have bad assets, a bad website, bad media, it could cost you $100,000. Um, and that's also going to depend on industry. Like right now, cookies are hot, right? Yogurt years ago was hot. If someone's going into home health care, that's a harder sell. I mean, so you have stage of growth, industry, um, and you have brand story and brand presence, right? I, those are big variables. Brent, before we go to you answering the question, any comments on what Charles said? Yeah, I think it's completely fair. This stage of a brand is um, a big indicator of of um, what you're going to spend, but you just can't you can't expect to to come in and say, "Well, I'm in this stage. I'm an emerging brand, and I saw this data point." There's about eight other variables to get through before you can start to really understand or forecast something even close to being accurate. So it's a great starting point, but I guess the message for this entire conversation is. The variables are unique to each brand, and it's a dangerous thing to go in and guess what your cost per deal is going to be. The best way to do it is to understand historically what it's been and work off of that. And we can talk about some of the other variables there. But I think Charles is right. You've got to start somewhere, and that's a great place to start. Yeah, I, I think shame on the franchise industry for coming out with this $15,000 number. I think it sets the expectations uh, improper uh, because the investment and the time uh, that the brand has been around, the number of franchisees that it has, whether franchisees are expanding or not, how many new franchisees came in last year, the product innovation. Like I could keep going. I could probably come up with a list of a thousand different things that that move the bar uh, for the for the price point. So I, I agree with Charles. Like the 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 answer is or starts with I don't know. And I agree with you, Brent, that then it goes to let's look at your data to now actually come up with a real, real answer. I think I, I joke about this, but whenever I hear a brand say, but I want to do deals for five grand and their historical data says 25 grand. And I say, well, I want a yacht in Miami, not working in franchising anymore. And there, I said, there are things that just won't come true. 
So I think that's that's the that's the the truth of it is is trying to give the honest feedback uh, or use honest industry data that tends to be hidden in like groups like this because uh, there are too many vendors or suppliers out there trying to sell lead generation and therefore they sell on the cheap even though that doesn't get the deal done and they've had you know six months of taking money from a franchisor. So uh, all right, so back back over to you, Brent. Uh, you answering the question, franchisor says, how much does it cost to sell a franchise? How do you answer it? The first thing you need to define uh, what a cost is, right? Because like, for example, I've had brands come to me and say, Brent, really help me with this. My cost per deal is X. It's really, really high compared to what you guys are doing or compared to what you said it would be. And you dive in and and maybe they're throwing things like, well, I've got the, the attorney cost because I had to get the, the, the agreement signed. So that's part of the cost. And then, well, I got to train them. They got to go through the initial training. And, and then I had discovery day costs for my team to fly in and, and all of these things. And I think that if we're trying to just create a true metric here, of a baseline understanding, I think it's just got to be defined as the lead generation costs. And I even put broker commissions into that. I don't put your sales commissions into that, whether you're an FSO or an independent brand. It's more of a labor cost. But I think that it's just the pure cost of generating the lead, and that includes brokers. And let's work off that metric. Do you kind of see it the same way? Yeah, I I, I agree that you first got to start with the metric of how are we even measuring this? And, and if you did that, no brand is created equal. So that $15,000 number just got even more distracted. I think it's a, it's a fantastic, fantastic point. Um, in my view, I've always come up with that number based on how much you're going to have to spend in outside marketing, not for agency fees or service fees, like just pure cash that's going to have to be spent. But then I'm putting this into super perspective right now. Um, I looked at how much uh, spend and uh, I, I send out a, a letter at the beginning of the month to our clients. But um, I looked at how much spend is happening in the digital world, uh, January through December of, of last year, um, and which months had the highest spend and which ones had the lowest spend to try to find uh, something. But in digital spend by brands that use 1851, just in digital spend, it was like $2.7 million dollars. Uh, last year. And so when a brand, emerging brand comes to me and goes, I want 10 deals. I say, well, let's start with how are you going to position different than the $2.7 million that was just spent on educating people that franchising exists and that a brand exists. And so now $2.7 million seems like a shit ton that you're going to have to compete against. And if you don't have the right messaging, the positioning, the website, everything Charles said, then, then you're then you're at a loss. But if you take all those things and add that, build that back into your cost per deal, then your data is already skewed again. So I think I think settling on what what is what is what is uh, what goes into what your cost per deal is is, a, is an important task. I, I agree with you, Charles. Any comments? No, I, I I think Brent right lead gen cost plus broker commission. I think that's a nice neutral foundation right or metric to use. And so if that's the foundation, I think, look, I, this would be nothing new to anyone watching who's been watching a while. Look, the, the, the broad strokes on this argument or, or discussion are investment level. Typically, the more uh, your franchise investment is, the more that it costs to open your franchise, the higher your cost per lead's got to be, and therefore the, the higher the, the, the cost in, in, in sale. Um, that's probably the biggest driver. But it's interesting, right? So even then, 
I think that there's an argument to be made that based on what we're seeing, that you can't just lump yourself into all oh, my COSPA leads, my COSPA deals 50,000 because I'm north of 350 or 500,000. Um, what we're seeing is when you get the things right, Nick, you just mentioned them, when you get the messaging right, when you've done all the things that need to happen first, the messaging, the why you, the why now, you've got great collateral that tells the story that clearly articulates who you're looking for and what they need to bring and what value the franchise will offer them. And um, you've gone down the list. And if you've been following this podcast and, you, and you're really trying to do the right things first, you've gotten validation to the best level that it can be. You've got your franchisees understanding the value that they can play and why they need to play it. And you have a proper validation management system in place. Your item 19, you've worked with someone like Charles and, and his team to really figure out how to best position an honest and true, but great reflection of, of what the potential of that brand is. If you've gone through the list of everything that we've been talking about the last year, then it's very interesting. I think the COSPA deal can... Um, really come down. So for example, I'll give one brand and just one because we share it. It's it's a brand that works with Charles, Nick and I. It's called uh, Toastique. And I think the item seven Charles this year is probably four to 600, somewhere around that. But um, in just looking out last year, their cost per deal came um, well, north, well south of $12,000 per deal, which is fantastic. That's, that's, that's huge. Um, for a brand in the food space, that's a higher ticket item. And historically, that should be a high cost per deal. Uh, but what's right is they work with Nick now. They're, they're working with Charles. They got everything done properly first. And then we attacked where are we going to allocate the budget to get the right types of franchisees in in the most economically efficient way to do it. And um, I, so I think that more than investment, trying to talk about industry, trying to talk about these things. I just think if you've done the homework, if you've done, you've gotten your model and you've spent the time doing that right, that's the best thing that you can do to get that fifth magical 15,000 or magical 20,000 number or whatever it needs to be um, for you. I have two, two comments on yours. Uh, one, be, before I ask it, are you comfortable with me asking a question about uh, your franchise or brand that you are? Yes, go okay. for it. Okay, so, and it, it, it's really a proof of proof of concept. I mean, you have how many units open? Uh, actually, we have five right. as of two five, opening the last one. Five units are open. How many people are going to Discovery Day? Uh, we have 10 groups already confirmed. It was two weeks to go. It looks like there'll be 16 groups. Okay, by... five open, 16 buyers. So three axing the size if they all were to buy. And the franchise fee is what? 75,000. Right. So it is not like, it is not a good franchise opportunity yet. You're building one for the future. That's going to be fantastic, but it is not yet. And so what that means, in my opinion, is proof of what you just said is you would not be able to do that unless you have positioning, messaging, strategy, uh, unit build out, uh, engineering, uh, good leadership and support. Like you did all the manufacturing, which is why, in my opinion, that's, that's where you could be a five unit brand and have the potential of 16 more units coming on if they each bought one. So I think, I mean, unless, unless I'm reading it differently, like it is not a viable brand yet. You're building it, but because you did all the groundwork, you know, it's going to be a viable brand. 
Absolutely. And um, I think, yes, we did the basics, right? We've, we've been doing this long enough to know that we've gone through the checklist and done everything that we've been talking about for the last year or two. We, the sales team, like they're in it every day. And it's interesting when you talked about getting the messaging right, they say all day, right? They, they, they praise our marketing director at Raintree, my brother Linton, and our video team, which is Brian and Kyle. They say that people watch those videos and they're done. And they just want to get to Discovery Day and get open as quick as they can. They are so powerful. The messaging is so on point that people are buying in on the first week. Um, sure, it takes us six months to get that lead in. But once they get in and they get that content, um, it's 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 interesting. So it's it's another point of you've just got to figure out that messaging, the right piece of collateral, um, and everything else can 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 really come down from there. Charles Charles had to hide his excitement. He covered his mouth because you said video video. No, I, he's like yeah, I know. No, but 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 you you guys are talking about the unit economics and knowing the numbers and. So, so just imagine on the reverse side of the ROI for your brand, Brent, is another franchisor spending the same amount or more, and they don't understand why the same media is not yes. getting them the same result, right? right? And so there's always the winner and loser to that story. And a, a day ago, I had a great dinner. One of our clients actually met with one of their um, developers locally, and so we had dinner. And I'm sitting with a brand that has not worked with brokers, has not even really used a lot, spent a, a lot on dollars on digital or marketing spend, but it's just building relationships and getting high powered franchisees. And, and so why are these multi-unit franchisees attracted to them? What you're saying, the team is talking about unit economics model and Nick's point about the management team and it creates that attraction. But on the other side of every deal is a franchisor that's frustrated because they're spending the same dollars. They don't have, they don't have their model set up for sales. And there's so many places where, again, if it's, if it's apples to apples, you're on the same channel with even the same collateral. And we see that as an FSO model. Um, the results can be vastly different. And so you have to go down the checklist of what's not working here. And it's typically not just the choice of channel, even the messaging. It goes beyond that. Like that's the, the brand that we have is a good example. There's like, if we had to, to put it into four buckets of what drives a brand to be successful and what allows them to grow quickly and what makes them really saleable as a, to a franchise buyer, the four that we work off typically in order are item 19, getting that as strong as possible. Uh, validation very quickly. They've got to verify that that item 19 is accurate, true. Um, the support team, people, some of those videos that I just mentioned just show the story of the support team, the original founders, and people fall in love with them. And so making sure that you get a strong team um, that, 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 that show um, and reflect the messaging too. And then, of course, it's the messaging. But within that messaging, it's the industry segment positioning of that, that brand in that industry segment. For example, the brand that we're talking about that, that's 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 growing quickly right now, the model works right because they looked. Look, there's a bunch of brewery franchises out there. You can go and, and get a beer from a franchise. At, I don't know, 10, 15 different franchise brands. They looked for what's going to make us different. How can we provide value to the franchisee that none of these others are doing? Let's brew the beer for them. Let's take all the headaches out. Nobody's doing that. So all of a sudden, you're truly differentiated from all of the other options in there. And when you get the messaging behind that right and you put the value proposition behind that right, 
then people want to find out more about that brand. You convert more, your cost per lead, your cost per deal comes flying down. And they're the four buckets that I think if you work off of, they're, they're a great place to start. And then you can go in and really start to pinpoint and blame the channel you're on or the messaging or the salesperson. Two, one, one other comment and then, then one, one point. So when you were talking about Toastique at $12,000 per deal, I mean, it, it rung in my head. I mean, some of those are multi-unit agreements, right? So if there's one franchisee that signed a three three pack, the cost for that deal was actually thirty six thousand, not twelve. Is that? And so, so I was thinking about that while you were saying it, and it's almost like, and and some of my some of my ideas will never come true because they challenge the the industry too much. But we should almost look at cost per opening. Because if, it, if I went and signed 10 clients and all 10 of them said, I'm going to sign up with you uh, to work with your company, we'll, we'll give you a down payment of $5,000 to work with your company. And then when we're ready, we'll, we'll start paying you retainer. And all of those sat on the sidelines and I've invested into all of the staff to go support them. We're not making any money. And that's in essence what a sold not open unit does. You've got a deposit, but they're not going to make any money because they sit on, unopened. And so if we started changing the, the talk to how much does it cost to get a unit open, now all of a sudden that, and that number might be fat, but it's going to give you good data points. And the reality is like, and this is, this is my point, um, the reality is we don't look at deal value when we're engineering how much do we want to spend to go acquire a franchisee who can open a unit who can make us money. So if I said, just for argument's sake, Brent, I have a hundred dollar bill. I want to give this to you, but I want you to to pay me in exchange for it. How much would you be willing to pay me for a hundred dollars? For you, Nick, twenty. Okay, twenty. And Charles, how much? If I said I'll trade you this hundred dollar for how okay. much? Okay, I'll 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 give you ninety nine bucks all day. I'll yeah, trade. And you just made a buck, right? Yep. It's that ninety nine bucks is probably too much, but the franchisor thinks more like Brent. It's like, I'll pay 20 to get a hundred. Charles like, wait, I'm going to make a dollar. I just got to give you 99. You're going to give me $1 for free. And so when you think about how much money comes back per opening, and even if you just narrowed it down to year one or year two, it at least gives you an idea of how much can you spend and still be at net zero. I like to look at a three-year run on royalty, forget the franchise fee, throw that to the side. That can go into the supporting them or wherever it goes. But you look at a three-year royalty and whatever that number is, then you say, how much would I be willing to pay? And let's say it's a third of it or half of that. Then you have a budget on how you need to engineer your sales program to at least fit against that. So you know you're going to be profitable and when they get open. And again, if we change the language to what is our cost per opening, now we're talking about cost for driving return on our initial investment, which will put money in our bank, which eventually will make the brand sellable. Any comments on that? I think it's a great, I think it's a timely um, proposition. I was, I opened up Franchise Times just this month's um, physical uh, mailing this morning and flicking through it. And I saw one reporter was talking about, they went to the IFPG conference uh, in the last year, said it was a great conference. It really was. I could, I could agree with that. And um, she was, it was very interesting. She was talking about kind of the learnings and, and some of the things, one of the first examples she gave was 
a couple of our, our, our friends in FSO world, Franchise Fastlane and Repham, got up and, and did a presentation. And the reporter noted that Fastlane said, you know, we, we're going to do 1,250 or 1,500 territories this year. And Repham said about 600. And, you know, Raintree's not too far behind that either. And she made the interesting point in the article, if anyone cares to read it, that that's very interesting with PE behind these companies and more PE flooding into FSOs and franchise brands. Um, it's going to be more expensive and much harder as the months go on here and years go on here for the average brand. And I think she's absolutely right. When you have the efficiencies and the experience of an FSO model and you have PE money backing them, uh, it's going to create this gap, I think, is, 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 is kind of where she was hinting and, and where I think she's right in um, brands that can be really efficient with their budgets and get good franchisees in um, and those that are going to struggle and then they're going to price themselves out because they didn't invest um, or didn't get the right experience behind them. Yeah. But she did also note that, you know, the sold not open point was interesting and um, both brands that were up on that stage noted that, look, our, our, our average deal size is about three, and that's the same at Raintree too. Um, so kind of checked that. But it is interesting, even three, if, if we're all averaging eight, three in the FSO world, um, how many are actually getting open um, will be interesting, certainly since kind of the, the volume of, of franchise sales has picked up in the last few years in F the FSO world. Um, I'd be interested to see how many end up getting open um, for all of us in that three-year period, it's too early to tell from our end because we're in a retail, we do a lot of retail franchises that do take 12, 18 months to get open. But um, Nick, absolutely right point. And even uh, franchise journalists and reporters right now are kind of thinking the same thing. Well, I think I think the, the danger spot on sold not open is also, uh, it's an indicator that what was sold to the franchise buyer doesn't align with what their expectations were. And so they stall their growth. And so the the question, if I'm a franchise buyer and I see a brand that that touts, you know, we've, we've sold 150 in the last two years. Great. Of those 150, how many franchisees? And they say 150, there, there's 50 franchisees. Great. And of those 50, how many have open units? Let's say it's all 50. Great. Okay, of those 50, how many of them are on their development schedule to get the next unit open? If it's like five, then you know there's an issue there. And and I think that's that's where the, the broker community can get a bad name is if they're just tacking on deals to increase their fees and those units never get open. It's a, it's irresponsible back to the person that's investing their life savings into a business. And so if a franchisor is totally engaged on getting units open, making them profitable, the reality is they scale. So like a Jersey Mike's, uh, I, I haven't looked at their FDD in a long time, but they used they may now, they didn't have an earnings claim and they're sizable. They didn't have to because all the indicators showed when their franchisees kept on swallowing up more units, they knew what the secret was. They're, they're disclosing it right there. And so that's where... Like, I, I think we oversimplify franchising, whether it's cost per deal is 15 grand. It, no, you got to break it up by industry, by investment, by history, by all, all these other things. Or um, so, so here's how many units are, have been sold and we celebrate that. No, we need to celebrate getting deals open because that's how the franchisor is going to drive funds with, with a portion of that going to driving profitability for the franchisee. So 
I think we oversimplify things because there's plenty of suppliers that sell lead generation um, and therefore they, they need it to be like simple. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's the right, right approach for brands like, like Voodoo that clearly is doing it right. Well, but so like Voodoo, right. Sold, not open. That's going to be a health metric, right. That, that Brent and his team will track the confusion. See franchisors that are not working with sophisticated teams and FSOs and the emerging, they fall victim to the confusion because no one's willing to, you know, Brent gave four buckets, right? Item 19 validation, support team messaging. So if you're an emerging brand and you're going in, you're any franchise brand, why wouldn't you be baselining right now your, your cost per deal? And the only way you could baseline is you need to do a deep dive, make sure there's no holes or leaks in those buckets, really challenge those four buckets, get them to the point where you feel like they're solid then measure your ROI and then improve those buckets and see the results. Everyone's jumping to different media and different tactics. Okay, this week, I'm gonna join a different, uh, I'll sign up with a different uh, PR company or digital company. And then it's just another life cycle, but it's the same bucket. The messaging bucket is broken and we're just trying different things and no one gets to baseline and then we reset every year. Yeah, I mean, PR in that in that scenario ends up being a tactic. Franchise lead generation is a tactic, but if you don't go backwards and do the base work that Brent did with Voodoo, now again, like you're going to have to get those units open. You're that's that's going to be your next challenge: is make sure that those units uh, open at the pace. And but I also think you were right on saying it's seventy grand on a franchise fee because you're like, hey, Mister and Mrs. Franchisee, we're going to take the that money. And use that to make sure that you're successful. And that's why it's not that like you're not saying we're going to go cheap on this. We're going to go heavy on it so that we know that we have the right resources to go make you successful. So anyway, the I, I agree. I mean, I think I think the tact going going tactically, and the, I've, I've been advising brands this year. I said January, February, March, maybe January, February. Focus on just rebuilding your foundation. Keep digital spend at a slow drip. March, April, May, you start turning it up with a plan to start turning it down, uh, maybe towards the end of the end of the summer. So you put it back into a drip to just recalibrate. And if you go in these recalibration sprints without turning it off, then the likelihood, like all your learnings, are going to continue to work up to that next level to get you there. Which will, which I do think. You know, the cost per deal in an ideal scenario should be zero dollars for any brand that has a consumer footprint that has excited franchisees. Do I think someone says, man, I've always wanted to own a carpet franchise? I don't. I think they start with, I want to own a franchise. What can I fit into my investment range? But a voodoo, you already have a built-in consumer base that is super jazzed up. You hit them over the head with a video that gives them a, uh, the the chance to see what a li- the day in the life is like. You're able to point to your first five openings to show what it's like. You're able to say, look, the supply and demand is high. People are coming in. They want this thing. They're going to scale this thing. And so that's the recalibration of assets to make sure that you're set up to win. So anyway, the point is I, I there's nothing I disagree with the two of you on. There's very rare 
Rarely do I disagree with either of you. Charles usually says I'm going to counter Nick on something, but even that slowed. Like since Brent joined this, it's yeah. I, I, mean, I, I was going to I was going to try to trash anything you said, but no. <laughs> um, any closing thoughts? One closing thought for me is a point Brent mentioned. I would challenge. That was a good idea. I would know. I I would challenge every franchisor when they're focusing on their messaging and the value proposition. Brent was discussing what makes them different, and too many brands are focusing on what makes them just like everyone else. Like focus on the counter narrative, what you're not in the space. I think there's there's a lot of value there. I would say stop stop dicking around. Go look at what Brent's done on Voodoo. And duplicate it. I mean, the no, nobody has genius new ideas, and so Brent, in my opinion, or my prediction, probably built it off of studying best practices. Go look at everything Brent just did, and there's your roadmap. That's my last sum. Yes, we're certainly thieves here, and we have to be. We all are. Um, I think that look, just be honest with yourself. I think is probably the closing message. If you're saying we're going to do. Uh, 100% more deals in 2023 than 2022. Um, give reasonings as how that's going to happen. And I'd suggest stay within the four buckets. Did you significantly, did you double the quality of validation? Is your item 19 twice as good? Did you double the amount of collateral and put hours into the messaging? Um, or did you bring in leadership, an experienced FSO, uh, great new broker groups, anything like that to bolster the support, the, the team or the, the leadership behind it. And if you've done that, then yes, you can start to add um, deals to your budget and start to bring that cost per deal forecast down. Otherwise, don't be like most brands and just magically think that you're going to do X number of deals this year because no reason inserted. I mean, this is the best advice that anybody can get. And if you made it this far again, then you're winning in franchising. It's Frenix.